Welcome to the Gin Ignite podcast. Whether you want to party or stay in, gin will ignite. This is the weekly show coming to you on a Friday, ready for the weekend, where we go through all things gin. If you want to find more out more information, catch me on Instagram at Gin Ignite or alternatively go to the website www.ginignite.com. Welcome to the show and let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to episode 27. Today I'm talking with Tammy Jackson from For Cocktail's Sake. I'm in awe of her as a mixologist. All mixologists are different, but what makes her stand out from the crowd is her flavours, presentation and her personality. We'll be joining her in just a bit. It was great to see a really nice collaboration this week from Kate from Sip and Share and Britt from the Botanical Trading Company. They are basically offering Kate's members some sensational offers with some of the stuff that, that Brits managed to, to, to get together. So it was really nice to see that. And, and talking about the Botanical Trading Company, this month's Lind and Lime Gin from Portleith is absolutely fantastic. It's sort of a, a lime-based gin, and I must say I tried it with the Tom Collins over the weekend, and it was absolutely lovely. Now, I decided not to talk too much about Christmas, but I am going to talk about Christmas again a little bit. So please remember to support your local or favourite distilleries. My favourite distilleries are growing by the day, and one of them, and one of the new ones, is Stockport Gin, who came on the podcast last week. Their lockdown boxes are amazing. Essentially, you can get three of their gins for £100 or four of their gins and eight tonics for £140. They're also doing some gin baubles, which I was lucky enough to receive a couple of them this week uh, as a gift. And they are fantastic. And, uh, you know, who wouldn't like gin on the tree? I mean, it's just just a great idea. Also like to pick out uh, the Edge Gin. Uh, They've got some great offers on their gins, uh, liqueurs, glasses and chocolates. Essentially, if you put in lockdown two at the checkout and if you spend over £40, you'll also get free shipping. Pitwheel Distillery are still offering their new orange and ginger gin, which I've yet to dis, you know to get, but I really would like to try that at some point. The Gower Gin Company are offering six of their gins all in one box, and they've also got a really nice slow gin as well that they're, 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 they're doing as a temporary thing um, up to Christmas or, or while stocks last. And they've also got a really nice festive three, so that's the slow gin, their Barra Brith, which was my weekly recommendation last week, and it's absolutely fabulous, and Pinwood, which I'm yet to try. And finally, Massingbird Monday, if you spend uh, or buy one of their full-size bottle of gins, you get a £10 voucher back. My weekly gin recommendation this week is Lava Spirits Coffee Gin. I take one sip, and it's like I'm in Florence in Tuscany I've just come across the bridge as the sun's setting and settled down in a nice cafe in the city there's lots of hustle and bustle but I'm having the gin I'm having the lava spirits coffee gin and just savouring a moment the nose of this gin is initially a London dry but very soon the aroma turns to coffee The coffee is just so naturally sweet and I've not really tasted coffee flavour like this since I last visited Small Batch in Worthing. The flavour profile starts with a smooth coffee taste and then goes to a sweeter coffee flavour. This is followed by juniper on your palate and then finally a resurgence of the coffee. 
I still can't believe how two strong flavours like juniper and coffee can be fused together like this and the fact it only took 18 months. But the fusion of these flavours is absolutely magnificent and quite simply is a feat of taste engineering. I paired this as, as I normally do with Mediterranean tonic to test as a long serve. And it was it was it was really nice. However, given the flavour profile, I probably should have listened to it and broken sort of testing protocol and gone with, as Laura suggested, one of the Coca-Cola dark mixers or possibly a ginger ale or a ginger beer. The possibilities of this gin really lie with the mixologist, in my opinion. Obvious choices are espresso martini, but I think this would be a fantastic addition to most cocktails given the unique flavour profile. I'm not surprised that this gin has already won an award and I think it's going to be destined for many more. Congratulations, Laura, for sticking to your artisan ways, listening to your friends and for creating lava spirits. Mixologists also are thanking you all over the world for a new unique flavour to add to their creations. And now we talk to Tammy Jackson from At For Cocktail Sake. Tammy started at Reuters and worked there for five years before starting her own agency, Tam Jackson HQ, undertaking social media for brands. In 2016, she had to give up her agency for health issues and get well again. She managed to do ad hoc work. And then in September 2019, she started her new venture for cocktails for sake. And very kindly, her, as she puts it, hubster, built her a bar in her living room. Now, I have to be say that I'm a little bit in awe. You know, all mixologists are different, but what makes Tammy stand out from the crowd are her flavours, her presentation and her personality. Let's find out more. Hello, Tammy. Hello, Ben. So you, you had a very successful career in, in Reuters, but what, what kind of made you want to set up Tammy Jackson HQ? I found myself with a young family and doing way too much business travel and needed to stay a little bit more grounded and at home. And having worked in the media industry, um, social media was up and coming. And so I did a course and just started out doing social media for my mother's um, beauty salons. And after seeing the success, she was in magazines and got a stint on a morning breakfast show. And then she said to me, I think it's time you start doing this for other women um, that struggle with all this new age media um, because of the success that she saw in it. And that's kind of how it began. Wow. And, and what sort of did a sort of typical day look like? So usually it would be content planning for a week or a month ahead. Um, I would schedule, I'd create a lot of content, um, probably where the photography started as well. Um, did a lot of networking. I ran a lot of workshops for sort of women's networking groups. Okay. Um, training them how to use. Back then, it was mainly Facebook and Twitter. And then we had a short stint with Google <laughs> and then eventually Instagram. And is that now your sort of main main focus, Instagram? Sort of? Yes, I think so. Twitter became far too noisy. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, it is quite noisy. It's it's also very, very quick. I think some people like it and some people don't. I know um, a few of the entrepreneurs I follow um, really love it because they love the sort of quick, the you know, the quickness of it and, yeah. and the replies. But I think sometimes when it's sort of something that you want to discuss a bit more, it's a bit more, bit more difficult. Now, I am desperate to, to talk to you about mixology. And to be honest, I could spend the whole episode talking to you about mixology. <laughs> But I did want to talk to you a little bit about sort of Instagram first. And, you know, in, in your opinion, sort of what makes an account kind of different and what should people do to kind of make an account different so that people want to sort of follow and, and become a, a kind of a, almost a fan of, of that account? I think it's a matter of injecting your own personality. Okay. Um, I think every human being has a uniqueness about them. There's only one of them. So that if you can project a bit of that onto your feed um, and then networking with like-minded people. So we have an incredible Drinkstagram community um, and take it from there. And and sort of when you're sort of posting, what, what do you think makes a, a good post? Because I know when I sort of see your post, often they're either a picture with, you know, a sort of a brief description or, or more often than not, there's sort of some kind of amazing photo- slow motion photography that's sort of unique to you. What, what do you think makes a, a good post? Right now with Instagram, your guess is as good as mine because <laughs> one day you'll post something that you've spent an agonized endless time over and then another day you'll post something because there's a lack of time and that one seems to blow up and you get amazing response to it, loads of likes, loads of reshares. Um, sometimes I think it is a bit of a gamble um, but I think if you focus on, or I always go back to why did I start it? Um, okay. Sort of reignite the love for what you started doing um, and what your followers like um, and appeal to those two things. So your passion and your followers. Yeah. I, I must say every time I sort of, I, recently I, I posted, I, I've really got into Brockman's gin and I, I kind of posted something and I just thought, oh, I'm just going to post it because it was just, I just put some um, blueberries in there and it just really accentuated, you know, the the taste of Brockman's. And I just posted it and thought, oh, you know, I don't, you know, I just think people will be interested in this. And it, <laughs> it absolutely blew up, it's as you said. And it, it was just, you know, whereas I normally sort of like to post with my logo and everything like that. And I just literally posted the picture and it just definitely did a lot better than I thought so uh, <laughs> yeah it's a strange uh, world <laughs> yeah absolutely um and a lot a lot of people say that you should sort of bring obviously as you were sort of saying more of you into the brand but w- what is your view on that and how would you sort of go about doing that I always think if you share something or showcase something that's unique to you so my feed is okay. pretty consistent I love bold colors I love moody photography um i like things sort of what's the word monochrome i like things quite stark i'm not the pastel ice cream color kind of girl (laughs) Um, so this comes out i think in if you meet me and my personality it definitely is reflected in my feed so if you bring a bit of that personality and your your persona to it and your kind of um, the look and feel of who you are. I think it it builds a bit of transparency, 
um, and makes you more relatable to people who like similar things. And consistency, I think, is also key. And do do you think you should sort of post on, you know, sort of, I don't know, three times a week or do you, do you not think there's a rule or I think consistency as far as um your followers knowing when to expect a post so I have a friend on Instagram um Karen uh with what's Karen drinking and her feed she only posts on a Friday okay so everybody knows that you're going to get gorgeous bright floral delicious cocktail from her <laughs> Friday and yeah that's her hashtag what's Karen drinking um and it's always beautifully styled cocktails also with a range of different spirits and so you know when to expect it so I always know it's Friday when I see her post (laughs) Um, I try to post every day um I do take a break every now and again I think it's healthy yeah Um, absolutely but yeah consistency as far as when you post it I don't think it's volume I think it should be quality over quantity okay Um, but yeah if you can find a little sort of schedule that works for you sort of moving on from sort of like you know sort of more personal brands to sort of more sort of distilleries how how do you think sort of distilleries sort of regarding sort of Instagram can sort of differentiate themselves from the competition I think similarly to how an Instagrammer does it is to find something that's unique to your brand, which you should be doing anyway with selling products is that you have a USP Um, and then showcasing that. So again, building, I think for brands, it's even more important to build transparency and make their brand relatable. So showing behind the scenes um, and like with all good marketing, tell a story. Storytelling is so important. And I think that's when you find um, your key buyers or customers, if you like, um, because you'll be telling a story and there'll be just that one thing that relates to somebody else. And that's how you get their attention. I, I, I would totally agree with you. Storytelling is so important because I, I, having been sort of a project manager in a previous life and I used to bullet point everything, mainly because I find it quite easy to use a thousand words where somebody uses 10. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I used to bullet point to make sure, but it really caused me an issue because when you sort of start thinking about storytelling, you can't really bullet point it. You've got to tell a story. You've got to kind of, you know, give a whole lot of context. So I definitely think that's really, really important. In fact, I did a uh, an episode on that because I just felt so strongly about it. And um, certainly some of the really good posts that I've had um, have had sort of a, you know, a real story to them. Yeah. It makes it personable as well, that it's not just a product on a shelf. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you had a sort of new flavor of gin and you were kind of an established brand, how would you sort of go about introducing that to social media? I think a good way is to use teasers. Um, okay. Like Brenty B. Gin are doing their limited editions where they are collaborating with artists and they sort of give you a teaser, a hint, and build up the excitement and anticipation of it before releasing. Okay. That way you gain some engagement. Um, you get people sort of hanging on your on your words, so to speak, on your posts, waiting for what's going to happen. I think always that you need to build that anticipation and excitement. 
Yeah, I, I know sometimes when I've had guests on and we've kind of done it as a sort of more of a surprise, that definitely has built a lot of um, excitement, you know, sort of just posting one or two things afterwards. So, yeah, uh, yeah I certainly agree with that. And um, we were talking about sort of behind the scenes. What what would be your sort of best way of describing sort of, you know, what what is a behind the scenes moment? Is it sort of, you know, I don't know, in the distillery actually seeing sort of things being distilled or is it out on the road, you know, at a market? What would you say is some really good ways of showing behind the scenes? I think taking, you know, the highlights of the day, so whether that is being around the distillery, whether it's um, any changes. So I know some, uh, I've seen one of the distilleries actually changing their, their still. So that's quite exciting because you can then set up and ask people to name the new still, you know, build up some excitement of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, meeting the team. I think that's always very important. Um, okay. I know Crutch Gin, I love following them. They um, always have these little... <laughs> little anecdotes of what they're doing and um, I think this morning I saw Holly's learn to use the power lift or whatever it's called uh, <laughs> and how they now you know and then there's like this little quirky comment that now she's going to wreck everything um, <laughs> so putting in a bit of personality behind the scenes and just what's going on so some things might seem completely nobody's interested in it but your fans would be or you know the people that love your brand are interested in what's going on yeah i know for me with pitwheel distillery the the only reason i got you know sort of involved with with um sort of uh getting some of their product is is because they made sort of a couple of uh, joke posts yeah and i just sort of thought oh this sounds interesting and then i sort of saw some of the, the stuff they did and ordered some of the miniatures and wow you know it's just been amazing from there but it was it was all started through you know sort of something that was completely in- innocuous yeah are there sort of any other key sort of strategies that you can think of that you know you think would get a distillery kind of noticed i think based on latest stats it says that to grow your account as a brand you need a giveaway ever so often okay and um, to garner some interest it also helps with instagram's algorithm because you have a lot of activity going on on your profile okay um, so definitely say doing that would help okay um and also again taking some good photos photography is very important um and then also a bit of consistency so don't post one day and then leave it for two weeks right okay you need to be present you need to be transparent and also connecting it's not just about putting stuff out there but it's about finding finding your clients and talking to them on Instagram. Yeah, I'm I'm always amazed how some distilleries come, you know, sort of almost straight back to you or that they, they they want to engage with you. Yeah. But some distilleries just literally leave you dead in the water. Yeah, and the, and then that sort of doesn't garner any more interest in your brand. No. Making no, a personal quite... connection as you would if someone came to the distillery try and translate that online so now we've come to the exciting bit <laughs> i think it was sort of 2016 when you're sort of getting yourself well and you sort of parted ways with your agency you were sort of gradually sort of getting better and and doing some ad hoc work but how how did for cocktail sake sort of come about 
I guess because I love writing and I love social media, that never went away. Um, okay. But with my illness, I struggled with stringing a sentence together, really. Uh, right. And my thought processes were completely sort of hazy. So to try and retrain my brain and give me a little bit of confidence back, I thought it would be good to start a blog and start writing. And then it was sort of making a list of my interests. That would mean that I wasn't going to write a thousand word essay every day, but I wanted something short, succinct that I could retrain my brain to focus. And I'd had a background in fashion and then obviously social media and all those things meant you know keeping up with trends and everything and I just didn't see myself putting all that effort in at such an early stage I needed sure. short and sweet so my other love is food and cooking um but I also thought with the family of four with everybody with a different dietary requirement that <laughs> a little bit stressful so I remembered back to all our entertaining and I always create a cocktail when guests arrive. Um, oh, wow. It's something my mom always did. Uh, the woman in our family always did it. So it's just one of my things. And I thought, oh, actually, I could share this. And then that's how it sort of started. I chose the subject. I set up the blog. And how did you come up with the name? Because the name is just, I, I, I just, I just do, <laughs> I do love it. I just, I think it's just such a sort of play on words, but it just, gets across absolutely what it is you do it is an absolute tongue-in-cheek born out of frustration that's what it's <laughs> about <laughs> so yes out of born out of frustration so that should explain it oh, I, d- I definitely think it, think it, i definitely think it does <laughs> <laughs> and, and what does the sort of brand represent for, for you first and foremost it was my sort of healing journey um ironically being in booze but never nevertheless (laughs) it is also my creative outlet so yeah it was a newfound hobby it was something it was something positive so so obviously you 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 decided to sort of go on the sort of cocktail side of things um but what was what was the reason for for doing that rather than maybe I don't know reviewing spirits for example or something like that again I think it was in the beginning it was all about keeping things simple and writing reviews I didn't have the capacity to give the brands or the products kind of in-depth reviews I just did not have the mental capacity for it right okay Um, so I kept things really really simple obviously since then I've learned a great deal and I've grown a great deal that now I absolutely love talking about well I was that that sort of nicely neatly moves me on to 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 your lives obviously I've been watching your lives for the last few Tuesdays Uh, but how how did that all start that was born out of lockdown (laughs) oh really I hadn't realized that I thought they'd been going for like years and years and years oh no no that was yeah sort of thought of one we needed more video content both mix and match and I um okay and Paul and Sam and I discussed and I said it would be nice to do a duo because I think it adds more personality, more conversation. And obviously in the beginning, your expectation is that nobody's going to watch it. So it would be great if there was someone else chatting along through the process. Um, And choosing Paul to do it just made sense because he's a professional bartender. They run a big events company. 
Okay. Uh, Mixer Match Limited, where they do everything from mobile bars to huge corporate events, um, all the drink shows. They were at London Cocktail Week last year. Um, he brought something different to the table. So um, he's the professional. I'm the home bartender. And I thought it would give an, our audiences something different. And while obviously the events industry went bust almost immediately, yeah, um, it gave them a way of showcasing their side of the business and the stuff that they do. Because Paul also does recipe development for brands um, and bars, um, and doing, you know, they do pre-bottled cocktails and all sorts. So it gave wow. them that sort of platform and. I had company. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and to be honest, uh, you know, we were sort of saying before the call, I really do think it makes, uh, you know, really um, interesting viewing because you, you just keep it very down to earth. But what you're at, you know, the sort of subject is just um, mind blowing. I mean, I find the whole thing mind blowing, some of the stuff you do. And I, I, like, I also like the sort of competitive element a little bit because you're not you're not really competitive, but, you know, you're both trying to sort of showcase a particular subject and you both do it in such a different way, which I think really makes it very, very interesting. Oh, that's good to hear. Just before, you know, I do want to kind of get a, a sort of hone in a bit more on the sort of cocktail sides, but um, I just wanted to sort of understand a little bit sort of about the sort of what I would sort of term the sort of the basics, um, first of all. Um, so, you know, I'm I'm very interested. Obviously, this podcast is all about gin, and and for me, gin, you know, I I like it to be sort of smooth enough to be sort of a sipping gin. Obviously, go with with, you know, in in gin and tonic, but also I I sort of compare it. You know, would it work as a dry martini? As it's not the the major factor, but it it is a factor that I think is kind of interesting because if it can operate kind of completely on its own, you know, that to me makes it a really good gin. But what sort of factors? would make your decision, for example, to choose a gin? Firstly, I I definitely agree with you. So I need to be able to sip it neat. Um, if it works in a martini, it's definitely a good thing. Um, <laughs> I do have um, one very, very, uh, how do I call it, um, important requirement that it's jun- okay. juniper lead. Um, I know that there's a lot that sort of, you have a lot of gins that have come on the market recently and they're either full of sugar and fruity and syrupy. That for me is not my first preference. And also because I do cocktails, I like the gin to be able to sort of stand up to ingredients and mixing. So juniper forward, um, I have a preference for citrus gins. Okay. But so many bring different things to the table. I mean, I've, I love coastal gins, savory gins, but all of them with juniper lead botanicals. Right. Okay. Now that definitely makes makes sense, and I think uh, I think a, a lot of people feel that way. I mean, I I I for me, particularly orange based gins, some of them I've tasted have been just totally s- sweet, and I just can't stand them. Yes, I'm not- and. I had the Edge um, L'Orange gin, um, which I've been doing sort of a few sort of cocktails with, and that is just fantastic. You get the orange kind of all the way through. Oh, wow. I need to try that. 
but it's it's so subtle. It's it's you get the orange flavour, but it's so subtle. But it's not it's not sugary at all. Yes, and it's just and it kind of it stands up on its own. You know, I mean, I've I've done it in a dry martini. I've I've um, had it as a you know as a sipping gin as well, and it just is absolutely fabulous. But so many I've I've tasted. Uh, well, and it also weirdly, it, it, you can quite happily have a gin and tonic as well, and. So many orange ones, you just can't. I'm, I'm forever trying to work out what tonic can I put with this to kind of counteract the heavy. And then I just go, do you know what? I won't bother with that, that you know, orange-based gin. It's just not for me. I, I always thought as mixology as cocktail making. But for me, you've kind of got cocktail making, which which is kind of following a recipe. And then mixology is basically taking that recipe and either switching it up, which is kind of, you know, where I am at, at or, you know, kind of your level which is kind of completely creating a brand new cocktail that's not based on on anything but how 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 can you sort of or how would you if you were describing to somebody how how would you kind of get started in on cocktail making i think start with the basics um okay so i wouldn't suggest if you're not usually a cocktail person um i wouldn't start with a martini um i would start with maybe a sour so okay some lemon juice and simple syrup and then start experimenting with different syrups and then start experimenting with some infusions. Um, but always go back to basics. When I'm feeling uninspired, um, I always go to a classic recipe and okay. go from there. Your flavours are just, you know, fascinating. And um, how, how do you go about sort of sourcing your spirits? For example, talk, talk to me about um, Starlino as an example, because I know it's come up quite a few times. So I am very fortunate that a lot of brands will let me taste and try out their products. Okay. Um, and then I sort of start playing with recipes from there. But I have a very keen interest in sort of the extra ingredients. So base spirits, I have a very broad um, liking for different spirits. But I also love learning about different vermouths and sherries and amaros and things like that. So the Starlina range um came out at the right time because we've had a really good summer. Um, Absolutely. And the bottling, I always love a beautiful bottle. Um, and then the product itself, they're just, they're great and so easy to mix with, so versatile, the whole range. Um, and coming from the guys who made Mulfigen, um, it was kind of, you kind of knew already that it might be something you'd like. <laughs> um so those are really nice ones to play around with but you know i mean you you sort of take flavors to a whole kind of new new level for example recently you did sort of a negroni but it literally was on steroids (laughs) you had you had your sort of jasmine gin i'm not sure i've pronounced that right sort of infused with butterfly peas flower tea and lemon rind campari with cardamom pods and starlino rosso infused with marinated figs how how did you even come up with that? Uh, probably that one started with a base spirit. So just some okay. is um, has a, has tea botanicals in, and I'm a big tea addict. Okay. So the butterfly pea and the lemon went really well with all the botanicals in that gin. And then it's sort of like, how can we invite the rest of the ingredients to the tea party? So that <laughs> sort of comes about. <laughs> A lot of my stuff is food inspired, so flavors that I would use in a salad or a 
dish at home. I'm definitely learning that. You know, obviously, I'm I'm at the very sort of starting end of mixology, but I'm I I'm a keen cook too. And to me, it's all it's it's like cooking. Yes. You you kind of go, oh yeah, well this and you know this is kind of kind of where I want to start. Right. I I tend to these days, you know, sort of take kind of a basic cocktail and then kind of try and work out what I can do to maybe change it up a little bit. Yes. Um, which kind of sort of neatly brings me on to sort of my, the next thing I wanted to talk about. So I've picked out sort of four classic gin-based cocktails, and I was just wondering, you know, what you would swap out of it to to kind of make it um, or, or do certain things, which I'll explain in just a minute. So starting with the Negroni, obviously, you know, you've got Campari, gin, and vermouth in that. For me, Campari, I, I tasted Campari, silly mistake because I, I always like to taste the the things I use neat and gin you know when it's particularly when it's juniper led you know you do get some dryness in there but Campari is like this beautiful flavor and then it just drops off a cliff or you know of dryness so ha- if, if you were to do a Negronian but you say say for somebody like me that wouldn't want it quite so dry ha- how would you sort of change that up and switch that up to make it sort of less dry Two ways. You could replace it completely with um, something like Aperol, which is much less dry. Okay. Um, or my favorite Campari infusion is strawberries. So you could either oh, wow. cut them in half and infuse them, or you could muddle them um, okay. and infuse them for a shorter period of time. And it just it brings a totally different taste profile and sweetens the deal a little bit. I do. I do like doing a little bit of muddling. I've, I've, uh, Vanessa, who came on in episode eight, kind of, she sort of said, "Oh yeah, you just use a muddler," and I was like, "What's a muddler?" Because I I didn't know, but now I do. I I just find it's it is amazing. You know, sort of some of the I put some basil uh, actually in a Negroni with the with the orange gin I was talking about, and that that really sort of brought out the flavour. It's really sort of a nice way to do it. Oh, I like that idea. Although you do definitely have to, um, the one thing I did learn um, to my cost the first time I did it was I didn't um, double filter. So I, I had my, my main filter uh, with, with the ice, but I didn't put a, like a fine filter. So I did have some uh, basil leaves in there, which wasn't so, so good. So uh, I learned my lesson, but uh, <laughs> definitely double filter in that case. Talk to me about sort of dry martini and martini-based cocktails. You know, what, what would be sort of a, a favourite recipe of yours? and Favourite would be, a again, a London Dry, so juniper-led gin. Okay. Um, I like Dolan vermouth, so a nice dry vermouth. Um, okay. And then I love a rosé vermouth. So okay. you could use Starlino Aperitivo or Londinio's rosé vermouth. I like my martinis um, a little bit wet, so okay. Um, that also depends on the mood. Um <laughs> <laughs> And I absolutely love a dirty martini. I'm, I'm with you on that. Let's, let's come on to sort of a Singapore sling. So obviously you've got gin, cherry brandy, lemon juice, grenadine, soda water. What would you change there to sort of switch it up a bit? I would, I suppose if you used a a flavoured gin, so you could okay. use, well, or not even flavour, but one that you sort of, like you mentioned Brockman's earlier, I yeah. would have the blueberry profile, which would go really well with the brandy. Changing up the gins, I think, would change the total, the absolute profile of that cocktail. Um, a splash of pineapple juice complements those flavors as well. 
Oh, really? Mm. Oh, mm. <laughs> might have to try that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and lastly, sort of looking at a clover club, which is obviously gin, lime, grenadine and egg white. Um, how could you sort of make a subtle change, to, for example, to take out the, the sort of lime flavour fro- profile and sort of change it to another sort of citrus profile? Grapefruit is always a winner. Um, if I'm okay. not in the mood for lime because of the acidity, um, dial it down a little bit with the bitterness of a grapefruit. I've, I've recently discovered Passoa as well. That's, that's a kind of nice. Oh, that's delicious. The porn star martini secret ingredient. Oh, really? oh right. Okay. Mm. So we've looked at sort of your, you know, how you come up with your flavors and looked how you sort of switch up cocktails. If I came along to you and said, you know, I sort of need a signature cocktail. What's kind of your creative process for designing sort of a cocktail? I look at the botanicals in the spirit first. Okay. to see what would complement that and how I could enhance and elevate and bring out those flavors um, by complementing it with whether it's juice or citrus or herbs, um, whether it could be elevated through an infusion, um, and then playing with seasonal ingredients. So, um, for instance, at this time of year, I've had, I had someone say to me, Please, I know it's win- winter's coming, but please don't make your drinks all dark again, like you did last <laughs> year. So that's again, you need to appeal to your followers as well. So it's coming up with recipes that that will make people want to drink them now. Well, your your fig in slow and spiced, the recent one. I mean, that is just for me. That is probably your most beautiful cocktail that you've ever done. Really, you know that. I I just I just think it's amazing. You know, you obviously have the slow gin, the tawny port in there, Quantra, the the sort of marinated figs, cinnamon, honey, and and sort of apple juice. But it was the figs, the orange peel, and you just put bloom. But this thing is just huge, and it just it, I don't know. It just totally it may be sort of slightly. You, you know, you sort of talk about sort of having sort of you know the the sort of dark, but it just lifted the whole profile and. and no, I, I took a double take at it and thought, wow. <laughs> that one was absolutely delicious. Really? That's a real comforting. It's a little bit sweeter than most of my cocktails. Um, okay. Because that's usually my personal preference. But this one is a proper after-dinner decadent wintery drink. D- definitely didn't look like one you could not uh, you could drink without a straw, though. I think you definitely needed a straw for that you one. You probably do. <laughs> Unless you eat the figs first. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I spoke. Well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a good thing with a snack. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I must say I, I sort of got very bad about putting sort of things into my drinks, but I've I've started to now. I'm stupid. I don't know why I didn't think about it, but freezing um, like sort of uh, blueberries or, or those kind of things is just such a great idea because you can just add them into your into your drinks. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, if you're doing cocktails, like, you know, you probably need fresh fresh ingredients for that but I, I do think you know sort of a garnish like that it just definitely just brings something out yes adding botanicals to your ice cubes is really great because as it melts as well it changes the profile while you're sipping oh okay so it's a good experience is is there anywhere where somebody could go and there is so, so you were for, for example saying um that you might add sort of pineapple juice to something because of blueberries, I think it was. 
how is there some is there a i don't know a book or um a, a site somebody could go to to, to try and understand some complementary flavors or is it just purely you know sort of experience i think just experiment experiment with food um there's lots of great cocktail books but i think food food is probably my first step of learning of having learned how to combine flavors um, and then experimenting with the drinks. I mean, you know, I, I, ha- I said I was going to have to mention this and I am going to have to mention this because one, one of the best drinks I've seen is, is called the Best Showgirl. <laughs> and just to describe it, it's quite difficult to describe it unless you see it. But if you have a look at Tammy's feed, you, you'll see it on there. But essentially, it's got a blue kind of bottom and then it's got sort of a burgundy kind of next kind of um, layer which is a, a red wine float. And then it's kind of, it looked as though it sort of had some white foam on top. But then, you know, so it looks amazing as it is. But then there's a grapefruit braid. Goodness knows how you did that. A cherry, a starlina cherry. And then this, you just call them bloom, but they're, they're almost like a whole plant in themselves. You know, they just, this pink bloom is just, you know, amazing. So you had high clear castle gin. You had lemon juice, honey water, orange bitters, Blue spirulina powder, which is just, you know, that really floats my boat because I'm never sure about curacao at all, but that just, you know, adding spirulina and you get the same effect. The red wine float and then the, the grapefruit braid, starlina, cherry and, and bloom. But yeah, how did you even come up with that? What, where where did, you know, sort of, was it based on something originally? And well, it was of... based on a bee's knees for bee's knees. Okay. So that was the, the sort of initial inspiration. And then I had some red wine, a, red, a bottle of red wine open, and I thought, oh, I haven't done a red wine float in a while. Um, and then I wanted to have a different color layer instead of making it look like a bee's knees. Okay. Element of surprise, and that's where the spirulina came in. I mean, the spirit, it's just, it's just genius. Cause, and, the, and the worst thing is it's not... You know, with, with something like that, it's not actually that expensive. So it's not, you know, where, you know, somebody like me might go, oh, well, I, I you know, I can't create that colour because I, you know, I haven't got some curacao, you know, around. But you just, I don't know, you just came up with the colour and it, 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 the richness of the blue is just so nice. It's really intense. I absolutely love playing around with it. So if I was a company, I, I've decided, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm launching this new brand and I really need, uh, a mixologist what, what kind of qualities do you think they should be looking at you know what what makes a good mixologist as opposed to I don't know somebody like me just pretending <laughs> <laughs> I think first and foremost it's finding someone whose style fits the brand okay I mean I had a brand approach me that was all bright and colorful um, but very white and light and and it did not fit with with my style so okay I can photograph and do a different style but you wouldn't be getting sort of what i think i've got the, the sort of tammy jackson experience yes yeah, so we I, all know and love it would mean me doing something completely out of my comfort zone which is fine um but it wouldn't be it wouldn't complement each other so find no. someone well someone firstly that you can relate to that can relate to your brand that can understand your brand um, and showcase it in its best light. I think that's 
that's I mean it's not that I can't photograph with a white background but it's just mm. I wouldn't be displaying a brand in their best light because my my speciality is dark um and then finding someone who who will understand and take the time um to get to know the product um experiment with the product have you had situations where maybe you've been given a product and you've gone, do you know what? That's not gonna, that's not gonna work. I've had one. Yeah. I've only had it happen once. That there was okay. a product that I just, I didn't like it, and I don't think that the marketing around it was true and transparent. So then it's difficult to put your name to it. Sure. The well, sure. if I love something, I'll shout about it, so you get the added benefit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have to really like something. I don't. I think it's literally only one that's very memorable that I've posted that I didn't like. A salesperson is only kind of as good as their last sales and sale. And, you know, I guess from a, a mixologist, you know, you're kind of only good as almost your, your last drink. Not strictly true, but obviously you, you need to sort of continue to be kind of creative. And how do you do that? Because, you know, you've used so many different flavors. How do you come up with the sort of the, the next best thing? Um, experiences, I guess. So okay. I'll see something in a magazine or I'll watch something on TV or um, fashion trends or an Instagram trend like the Dalgona coffee or something like that. And then I'll try and see how I can make it my own. And do, do you also follow, cause I know I've sort of started to, but I still have kind of a little bit behind the curve, you know, sort of, I know on the, the lives you sort of been looking at, um, you know, like the uh, vodka international sort of vodka day, and then you've got coffee, um, international coffee day, and that kind of thing. Does that sort of influence you as well, or it does? Because I like the fact that we get a specific day to highlight and celebrate amazing yeah. brands, um, and I love this resurgence of vodka. I mean, that was my first spirit love, um, and it's now become that it's not just a sort of neutral grain spirit. There's some really great work going on with, you know, the terror, the everything, everything that affects the way they're making it, the slight enhancements with botanicals. So I'm not talking sickly sweet flavoured stuff. Um, sure. Really good products. And yeah, everyone can have a moment, not just gin. <laughs> yeah, no, Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I know, I know a lot of people sort of on the podcast have been talking about, you know, sort of um, different kind of ch trends sort of taking over from, from, from gin, you know, um, tequila has been mentioned and rum's been mentioned as sort of yeah. sort of the next big things. What What's sort of your take on that? Yeah, would you think vodka's the next thing? In this order, I would, I would say it would be rum and then tequila. Okay. Because tequila seems to be quite difficult because tequila is you know very specific you have to make it in a specific place yeah as i understand it whereas rum i think is a bit more you know you, you don't have to actually make it sort of in the caribbean you can kind of make it any way you like yeah. really so i think we'll be seeing well we've already been seeing but so many different styles of rum i mean it's it's an incredible category it's mind blowing all the different styles that you can actually create um and then some people will get sort of the rum from the Caribbean or from Jamaica and and then bring it over here and add their own twist to it, whether it's spices or other botanicals. Um, it's, I think there's 
a lot of scope for it to grow and it's a very exciting category to watch well i'll definitely be be watching that now now you've also sort of um substantiated kind of maybe rum is the is the that's sort of next best thing. So how can how can people get in touch with you? Probably on Instagram at for cocktail okay. sake is the, I'm there every day. <laughs> okay, yeah, no problem. I will certainly put that in the in the show notes. Obviously, <laughs> I, I think you're on Twitter as well, and you've got your website. But is is Instagram's the best way to? Yes. So um, before you go, I've always got sort of two questions that I like to ask. The first one is, what is your favourite gin? And how would you serve it? Well, I cannot say a favorite brand of gin. <laughs> for sure not. I think, like I said, seasonality plays importance, um, mood, occasion. So there definitely isn't a favorite per se. Um, but I would say Juniper Forward, London Dries and Citrus. And like I mentioned before, I've really gotten into coastal as well as savory gin. So, yeah, I think those would be my sort of go-tos. Um, how would I serve it? I think martini. Dirty martini, London dry gin. That would be my first choice. Nice. Nice. Mm. And that's a very good choice. And And what does kind of gin mean to you? Or maybe we need to widen it and say, you know, spirits mean to you. It's given me an opportunity to create more than just a drink. Again, it's bizarrely, it's been part of my healing journey. So the spirits is a symbol of celebration for me, I think, in all senses, personally. Yeah. Um, sharing it with friends, entertaining, Friday night after work, drink with hubby. Yeah, and I always, the whole drinking responsibly thing is very, very important to me. Um, so that's why I always refer to things as sipping a cocktail. Yeah, it's a it's a positive thing for me. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank it's been you. absolutely fascinating. And uh, I can't wait to sort of see what's happening um, tonight because obviously we're recording on Tuesday. Definitely uh, seeing what you and Paul are going to come up with. Yeah, we'll be back. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. Oh, it's Tuesday and Thursday. It is. You've been oh, missing have... one. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> Right, well, I ha I'll have to uh, make sure I don't do that again. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. This but, is really great. Well, my thanks to, to Tammy. Yeah, I am kind of really inspired by her creations. You know, the colours, the way she sort of do uses the sort of dark imagery to, to, to showcase her cocktails, but also the garnishes are just superb. My Instagram shout-out this week is Cassia at gin queen underscore Kilpatrick. Now, you may remember for her from week four, but as last week, I decided to write a few wrongs as I did with Girls on Gin. So I'm now writing the wrongs with Cassia. Why am I doing this? Because she was really my first supporter for my at Gin Ignite Instagram profile and the first to comment. And I've never really forgotten about it. I really liked your post on Brenton Breed Gin I like the sound of the pairing of elderflower with sort of tonic. I'm not sure about the Tabasco, but it really sounded an interesting mix that you had there. I also like your post on the orange and passion fruit Murphy's gin. That was really interesting. Now, I think I prefer pomegranate and caffeolina. And I know you did a post on that and I will comment on that in just a minute. But I loved your serve of this. 
I think you also should try a, dre- a breakfast martini, which essentially is pretty much what you had there, but in, in, with the addition of um, vermouth. And I would definitely recommend not doing a dry vermouth. I would go with a red-based vermouth. And for me, the Starlino is the best one. Um, but thank you very much for the steer towards breakfast martini from Cheshire Mobile Bars, who came on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. I really thought your eight days a week post which inspired the sort of combination of aviation gin, which is one I yet yet have to try, Aperol and Saint-Germain elderflower liqueur. Sounds really interesting and amazing. I also liked your post on Murphy's pomegranate and kaffir lime edition. And I loved your edition of the satsuma and basil to bring out the flavours. Definitely one I need to try at some point. I also enjoyed your review of Stranger and Sons from the Craft Gin Club, not last week, I think it's not last month. Maybe it was two months ago. No, maybe it was three months ago, actually. Um, and your review with the, the, the London Essence Co. Blood Orange and Elderflower Tonic. I think it is a really lovely serve. And it also, Strangers and Sons is such a lovely gin. And, a, you know, it's really nice of the uh, Craft Gin Club to, to bring that, you know, to us. Thank you very much for your support, both of the at Gin Ignite account on Instagram and the podcast. It really means an awful lot to me. And as per my normal Instagram shout out from not not when you when you were my Instagram shout out the first time, but from now onwards, um, I will be adding you to my stories all week. I would love to hear from you if you want to get in touch at Gin Ignite on Instagram or Twitter, or if you'd like to get in touch via email. Why not? Then gin.gossip at ginignite.com. The thing that I like about the gin community that I've met so far is that nobody judges anyone for what they believe, what they look like, or who they choose to be. The world would be a better place if everyone took that view. Grab your drink, toast those you love, enjoy your weekend, whether you decide to party or stay in. I will be with you in spirit. Seriously though, enjoy your weekend and I look forward to joining you for another episode next Friday. Cheers. Cheers.